0: Good morning, morning. in James chapter 1 verse 12, just one verse this morning, let me pray and read that scripture and then we will begin. Our Heavenly Father, we have gathered together to hear your word, to feed on Christ. Our Father, we need you, we need your word, we need Your spirit to fill us. We need you to nourish us by your word, by the power of your spirit, so that we can walk in your ways, so that you might produce the fruit of your spirit in our lives. Father, impress upon us the importance of this moment, the reading and the preaching of your word, so that we might engage in it so that we might engage our hearts and our minds in considering what would you have for us please apply this word to us more than i can do just in the speaking of my own mind about this verse more than i can do in preaching this we pray that you would work we pray this in christ's name amen james chapter 1 verse 12 Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Consider this question. In your mind, what characterizes the blessed life? In your mind, what characterizes a life which is full of blessing. And maybe your image of that has changed over the years. Probably it's changed over the years. Think back when you were younger, maybe a child or a teenager, and you were considering, what do I want to be when I grow up? What does my life, what do I want my life to look like when I'm an adult? What kind of things did you imagine? You probably imagined, I don't know what, Kind of career path that was in your mind, but you probably imagined doing something you enjoyed, being successful at it, making plenty of money, getting married, having children, and having a blessed life. And probably if you look back on that time, some of the things that have happened in your life you would have never imagined. And you would look back on that and say there's no way that this could be called the blessed life. And probably a lot of that is conditioned by our culture. Just the way we tend to think about the blessed life is success and continual happiness and nothing goes wrong and there's no sickness and there's no pain and there's no relational strain or division. And that that often is what other people mean when they talk about being blessed. I mean, think about when someone tells you to have a blessed day. What do you think they mean by that? Typically, they mean, I hope everything goes pretty well today. I hope you have no big problems. I just hope you're generally blessed today. And people have these ideas of what it means to be blessed, but the Bible has some other ideas of, about what it means to have a blessed life, what it means to truly be blessed. The word refers to being favored or fortunate, being happy, but not in the sense of just, yay, happy, but in the sense of a more transcendent perspective on life, being favored by God. James, as he's writing about this blessed man, this blessed one, surely is thinking about the blessed man in other parts of Scripture, the one who is blessed. Uh, Surely you probably think of Psalm chapter 1 or Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And probably also James has in mind the teachings of his brother Jesus. You know these sayings probably as the Beatitudes in Matthew. Chapter 5, Jesus speaks of the one who is blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. a completely different perspective of what it means to be blessed, what it means to be favored by God. And in the same way, James, here in verse 12, he gives a different perspective. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James is writing, I think his aim here is to encourage believers to persevere in the midst of trials. And he does so by describing this blessed person, this blessed man. Contrary to what we might think, the blessed person isn't one who avoids trials, but the one who perseveres under them. It's one who not only runs the race, but finishes it with faith. One who loves God and receives the crown of life God has promised to all who love him. So there are many ideas about who is and who isn't blessed in this life. But this morning from this verse I want to show you who it is that is truly blessed in the context of trials which James is writing about. So I want to give you four truths about this person who is truly blessed. And in so in describing this person what I what my aim is I want to stir up in you a longing to be this person. A longing To be blessed in the true sense of the word. First, the truly blessed person faces trials and perseveres under them. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. He faces trials and he perseveres under them. This word perseveres, uh, James is using again, repeating from verses three and four. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the idea of remaining under a trial, carrying a burden for a, over a long period of time, to stand one's ground in the face of difficulty and opposition. Now James doesn't say, as we are prone to think, bless Blessed is the one who avoids trials and difficulties, right? Isn't that, even if it's not our current perspective, there are probably still vestiges of that in our minds and our hearts. That to to be truly blessed means that we won't face any difficulties or we won't face any trials. So I remember speaking with with someone who um, generally had the idea, if I simply do what God tells me to do and obey His word, and try to live right, right, then he will keep these bad things from happening. He, you know, he will keep my grandchildren from getting sick with cancer, or he will keep us from going through certain trials and difficulties. This was a Christian man, but his view of uh, his relationship to God was dependent upon his own obedience to the word. And his idea of the blessed life was not being not encountering those trials but contrary to what that view is James says it's not that it's not being blessed is not avoiding trials and difficulties the one who is blessed isn't characterized by an absence of trials but by one who stands his ground in the face of trials so really what James is doing here is calling for a change of perspective here change of perspective on what is going on in your life, the difficulties and the trials that you are facing. And you might say, well, Jim, you already did that for a couple weeks in a row. And you're right, I did. But how many times do we learn something and then in the midst of the battle, we forget it all over again? Right? So much of what I think even Scripture is teaching us is repeating some of the same things over and over again to work them into our hearts so that in the heat of the battle, we will remember them. We won't forget. Peter says uh, in a couple of places, I'm telling you these same things over again, that you might remember them. So, you know, the the puzzle, uh, what is it called? A perception puzzle. You know, those pictures you look at where there's a change, it seems, as you're looking at it. There's that one that you're probably familiar with, with the young girl in it and the old woman in it. And you can see one or the other right away. I, I think I focused in and saw the old woman right away in that picture. And if you work, if you think about it more, you can begin to see the other perspective. You begin to see the young woman in it. And the next time you look at it, you miss it again. You forget it all over again. And so yes, James is reminding us all over again, this is, I'm calling you to change your perspective here, to remember this. We As opposed to being surprised by trials that we encounter, we should expect them. If you're not in a trial now, that should surprise you. You should expect that there may be something on the horizon so that you can begin preparing your heart, preparing your mind for it even now. We should expect trials. And then as we expect them, we should face them head on. Ready to not only face them, but to persevere under them. This is who James says is the blessed one. One who perseveres under trial. But he's also one who stands the test. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, he stands the test. Now this term refers to one who has been tried and true, one who has found to be genuine in his faith in God, one who has been tested and approved after he has stood the test, proved genuine on the basis of testing. So you have Second Corinthians 10, 17 through 18. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved but the one whom the Lord commends. Or we have this same term in 2 Timothy 2.15, where Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this is referring to a long obedience in the same direction to, quote, Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction in the face of difficulties, in the face of trials, finishing or completing the test. So the context here, James says the one who having stood the test will receive the crown of life. And that's referring to eternal life. And so you might be tempted to see this standing the test as, okay, here's one trial that I'm facing. Now I've stood the test. I'm blessed now. I've stood the test. But rather, James has in mind the whole scope of your entire life. One who has stood the test. Something is approved only after it has been tested. So thinking of school, perhaps, or college, or seminary, you you only get the degree until... You don't get the degree until after you have passed the test, at the end. now maybe this is not, this idea might be overwhelming to you, having to stand the test for all of your life, having to fight the fight, having to run this this marathon, which is life. It's maybe not what you expected when you became a Christian. Maybe when you became a Christian, you were told that, When you trust in Christ, things will begin to go well with your life. The the difficulties, the troubles you're now facing, they'll all go away. Maybe you were told that when you became a Christian. Sure, there'll be bumps along the road, trials here and there, but basically a good, comfortable life. And and if you were told that, what what that person failed to tell you was what Jesus spoke about. The Christian life following Jesus being the narrow road. Not the wide, broad road that leads to destruction that many find, but the narrow, difficult road that Christ calls his people to. Or they forgot to tell you his command that if anyone would follow him, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, an instrument of death, an instrument of execution, Daily and follow Him. Application for us here is if you feel like giving up and giving in, keep going for the long haul. Keep striving, keep fighting. Do not give up in the midst of your struggle, in the face of your difficulty. And you say, wait, I thought this was supposed to be an encouragement to persevere trials. I'm feeling really overwhelmed here, having to, knowing that I have to face this entire life. In my entire life, I'm going to face trials of different kinds. And it is, and here's why it is. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. This is what we are holding out for. This is what we are persevering for. This is the blessed one. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. This is the reward for faithfully persevering through trials. And this ultimately is why the person is blessed. Having stood the test, having stood his ground in the midst of difficulties... Here is his reward. Here's what he receives. So we see again from this that this, is not, this test is not just a one incident uh, or period of life, but all of life. Now the crown here, this crown of life is, was probably what James had in mind. It's not a gold crown, what we immediately think of when we think of crown, but a wreath made of, foil, uh, of foliage and worn By those of high status or held in high regard. So, this this wreath signified appreciation for a job well done, uh, appreciation for exceptional behavior or performance, an award or prize for exceptional service or conduct. And so, we read about this in 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 to 27, where Paul gives us this image of life as a race, this life of faith. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Or you think again of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. through Paul recognizing that his life is coming to an end, that his, his race is coming to an end. He says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Listen to this, what Paul says of his own facing trials of his life, running this race. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Sounds like a blessed one, according to James. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The crown of life. Also mentioned in Revelation 2. This, this is the crown representing abundant, full, and eternal life with God. But the point is this, the, re- the reward comes after the race. You get the trophy after the tournament, or as Calvin says, the crown follows the contest. So I, I wrestled in high school, and what you, if you know wrestling, what you know about wrestling is the pin is the trump card. Right? So the trump card, you lay the trump card down and the game's over. You win. The pin in wrestling is the trump card. You can be losing for the entire match. First period, second period, third period, down by 10 points. And if you pin him, you win the match. So someone, as it happened with me one time, guy was totally dominating me, taking me down, letting me up, taking me down, letting me up scoring points left and right on me winning big on points so why didn't they call the match you know in the after the second period when he was up by 10 points by 11 points why didn't he just call the match then because it's not over he couldn't get the award he couldn't receive the medal until the match was over the underdog could come through at the last moment and pin his opponent and then he wins that's why you don't give the win in the middle of the match. The crown follows the contest. And James here says, after he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The scripture is filled with examples of those who appeared To follow Christ only to fall away in the midst of the difficulties of life. Isn't this what Jesus speaks about with the seed that is thrown onto the rocky soil? It springs up quickly. The person receives it with joy. It springs up quickly and it grows. It seems to bear fruit. But then because it lacked root when the cares of this world came, when difficulties came, it withered away. Probably some of you know people who once professed the name of Christ. And maybe it gives you great sorrow because you think about how much it seemed that they loved Jesus, how much it seemed that they desired to follow him. And then when different difficulties came about, they totally rejected God and they said, God, why would you do this to me? And they walked away from the faith. The exhortation here is keep going, keep trusting, keep serving. Keep your eye on the prize. Don't stop because of opposition or trials. It is our call to keep plowing through to the very end, knowing that there is a reward at the end. Eternal life with God. Keep your eyes on the prize. Consider how hard people strive for a perishable wreath in this life. How how many years Olympians spend training for a gold medal, which will last for a while, but one day will become tarnished. Will be destroyed in the fire. How much more ought we to strive for this which is imperishable? For this reward which is... In the heavens awaiting us, consider consider the honor of being crowned by God himself. And what moves us and motivates us here to persevere is not found in our love for the reward, but for the rewarder. It's not the prize we want. It's what the prize means. It means everlasting life with God. Everlasting life in itself doesn't mean that much. If it's going to be filled with sorrows apart from God, what we long for is to be with God in fullness and forever. This is what this reward signifies. The crown of of life is promised to those who love God. And this is the last descriptor of the one who is blessed. The crown of life is promised to those who love God. This really gets to the heart of the matter because there's no motive for enduring trials that we'll do except love for God. Not duty, not knowing just because it's the right thing to do to persevere, not uh, because I want to show how strong I am to persevere through this. It brings us back to the point made last week about loving God or the things of this world. If you love the things of this world, comfort and ease, then you will not be able to endure trials. What you love most will be taken away from you and you will not be able to cope with that. Only the one who loves God will hold out for the reward to come because God is His reward. Only the one who loves God will be able to stand firm under trials because he knows eternal life with God is coming. So check your heart here. As you go through trials, as you go through life, do you love the Lord? We know that's appropriate to ask because this is what Jesus asked Peter after he had denied him three times. Peter, do you love me? He wanted to get to the heart of the matter. Do you love Jesus? This speaks to your, your commitment, your resolve, your affections. What I want you to see, ultimately, as I have described this blessed man from James 1.12, is that in the strict sense of the word, it is not you. If you're like me, Right? We seek to avoid trials at all costs. Do we not often falter in the midst of our trials? I'm not always good at trusting God, especially in those intense times of difficulty. If it were up to us alone, we would not stand the test. We would fail every time. And when it comes down to us, we don't always love God like we should. Especially not, as the scripture commands us, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. We have, none of us, done this perfectly. And because of that, we deserve not the crown of life, but ultimately the crown of death and judgment. You could say, cursed is the one who gives up underneath the trial. Who walks away from faith in Christ because he couldn't stand the test. That person will receive the crown of death and judgment that the Lord has promised to those who are faithless to him. And that would describe every one of us. ultimately, what I want you to see is Christ is this blessed one. Christ is this blessed man. Like us, Jesus Christ faced the trials of this life, but he endured perfectly. He suffered the loss of loved ones. We see that he was filled with sorrow at the death of his friend Lazarus. He suffered having... Very little. He had no place to lay his head. He suffered persecution. He suffered temptation at the hands of the devil when he was starving. Yet he did all this without sin, without complaining or grumbling or falling into the temptation. But he had even more still to endure. Christ endured suffering at the hands of the Roman guards who beat him and mocked him, who spit on him. Jesus wore not a royal crown. He didn't even wear a laurel wreath, but a crown of thorns was placed on his head. And he endured the most brutal and most humiliating form of capital punishment of the day. Crucified with nails through his hands and feet. But even that is not the worst of it. Jesus endured suffering under the wrath of God that was due to sinners like you and me. The crown of thorns was on his head, yes. But the crown of God's judgment must have hung heavier. For it was in that moment Jesus was taking on the punishment that sinners deserved. This is what happened in Jesus' death. A substitution. Taking the punishment, the judgment that others had earned, that we had earned and should have paid. And having made atonement for our sin, God raised Jesus up on the third day. And he raised him up and gave to him the crown of life. Jesus rose from the dead. He really died, but he really came back to life. And this is our hope. Having sung, Christ is risen from the dead. He has overcome death. This is our joy. This is how we can receive the crown of life for ourselves. Jesus has earned this for us and taken away our sins. And now he gives us this crown of life that we might enjoy the rewards of his work. Some of you remember the scene from 1984. I was just a young boy. I vaguely remember it, but I remember stories of it more than probably my actual memory. It was the women's gymnast competition at the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, California. No woman from the United States had ever won the all-around competition uh, gold medal for gymnastics. In fact, the Romanians were dominant. They won, it seemed, every year. Only two months before the event, 16-year-old Mary Lou Retton had surgery on her knee. She's facing difficulty in the midst of this. Well, the night was filled with ups and downs. And like any good sports event, there was tension in the air. You're sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to see what's going to happen. Who is going to win? How is this all going to come out? And after everyone else had finished their events, Mary Lou Retton had one more event to go, the vault. You know that one where you run up to the vault, you launch off of it, you do twists and flips and you land. Hopefully you land. If she scored a nine point Nine, she would not get the gold. If she scored a 9.95, she would tie for the gold. It's only if she scored a perfect 10 would she get the gold all to herself. What no other woman in U.S. history had done. And you know the story. There's complete silence as she starts her vault. She begins to run towards the vault. She lifts off. She jumps, twists, flips. And then the moment of truth. She makes a perfect landing, and the crowd goes wild, cheering all over the place. Her coach runs and jumps the barricade to give her a hug. You're not supposed to do that. He was so filled with excitement and joy at her perfect landing. And then the crowd starts chanting, 10, 10, 10, 10 all around the stadium. And then a little bit later, you have to wait. The score flashes up on the board. It's a 10. And the crowd screams even louder. The place is going wild. And then there's that moment of just tears flowing down her face, extreme joy when she stands on the top of the podium. Not second place, not third place. She stands at the top and she bows down as the judges place the gold medal around her neck. And the national anthem begins to play. It's an amazing scene. If you haven't seen it in a while, it just fills you with joy at seeing it. She completed. She competed to win a temporary prize. Yes, filled with amazing joy, an amazing moment in history. We are running this race of life for an eternal prize. Consider the scene when our race is finished. We look back over our lives at the ups and downs, the skin, knees, the broken bones that had to be put back into place, the joys and the sorrows, the difficulties we faced. But through it all, we kept the faith. Not always perfectly, but we clung in faith to Christ. He was our only hope. We trusted Him. Perhaps even with a weak and frail faith. But we trusted. Somehow, only by the grace of God, we made it. We persevered. And we stand before the Father as the crowd of witnesses around around us cheers. We bow down before the Father And He places on our heads a crown of life, which He has promised to those who love Him. And the crowd again goes wild and cheers and begins to chant, begins to sing. But they're not singing our praises. They're singing the anthem of the Lamb. And it rises up. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Worthy is the Lamb. And at that point we will take our crowns which we have received from the Lord and lay them down before his throne. With great joy. Because we, we will know that we didn't win the race. We didn't do it ourselves. We didn't score the 10. But Christ scored the 10. And then credited it to our account. By his free grace. And how blessed is the person. Whose sins are forgiven. How blessed is the one who receives. The righteousness of Christ. Credited to his account. How blessed is the one. Who perseveres under trial? For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would fill us with joy at what awaits us. At that moment where we will be in your perfect and full presence Hold that before our minds and our hearts so that we will be able to persevere in the midst of the difficulties of this life. I pray if there is one here who is struggling, who has felt like giving up, who has felt like it's just not worth it, I pray that you would remind us of Christ, of Christ who decided it was worth it to die on the cross for our sins, to pay the ultimate price that we could have life. Remind us of what awaits us. Eternal life in your presence with fullness of joy that we might persevere. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.